Open your Bible, the book of the Revelation, chapter 20. That's uh, the last book in the Bible. If you have trouble finding it, just ask one of your little children beside of you in Iwana, and they can take you to it. Revelation chapter number 20. We're talking about the judgments of God, and we're saying the eight judgments of God that are in the Bible. So many people have such a wrong biblical view of the judgments of God. In fact, they somehow believe that there's just going to be one big day to where God will just weigh out our good and weigh out our bad, and if the good's good enough, we'll go to heaven. If the bad, bad enough, we'll go to hell. If that's the case, why in the world Jesus come? He wouldn't have had to come. He wouldn't have had to bled. He wouldn't have had to die. But we needed redeeming grace. Somebody had to pay for this messed up sinful life of ours. Somebody had to take our place. And Jesus was the one. So to believe that really is heresy. To have that idea, that concept about judgment is heresy. That's what you believe about it. You're so far from the Bible, it's not even funny. I know folks will challenge you on it. That's because they're ignorant. Now, don't tell them they're ignorant. Just tell them they're dumb. (laughs) That don't sound as bad, right? So, Revelation 20, we're on the last judgment of God. The last one. The last judgment of God. And it happens on the last day of the world. This is the end of the world, and this is the last judgment of God. That's what I'm preaching on today, the last judgment of God. Revelation 20, verse 11. Do you have it? And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fed away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And I noticed that in verse 12, it says the books were open. That's plural. And then the Bible says the other book was open. That's singular. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. Plural. According to their works. See, I don't believe in a work salvation, but I do believe in a works damnation. That's what I should tell this, this sermon. A works damnation. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not written, found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. So let's bow our heads today as we just ask God to help us understand maybe the most important text in the Bible as far as higher understanding of the end times. Father, there's such confusion today about what your Bible says, mostly because people don't read it. And then there's confusion about those who do read it, but they read it for their own selfish instruction rather than Holy Ghost instruction. 
But God, today we're not asking just for instruction. We're asking for inspiration. We're asking for conviction. We're asking God for you to do something to help go through our heads. It sometimes gets so hard to just help us get what you've already given us. Help us to swallow the plate full of mercy that you've set before us today. And help us to give you grace today, not just with our voice and with words, but God, may it be real from our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Even among Bible-believing Christians, I believe this text is very, very misunderstood. I really cannot deal adequately today with this text. I could preach all day just on those four verses of Scripture, and I will not do that for your convenience. Uh, But I do want you to remember one thing today, and if you'll get this, you'll understand the text. I want you today to pick out, as I go along, the doctrine or the teaching of the book of life. If you get that, you'll understand this judgment and you'll understand a whole lot of other things about the Bible. If you just understand the teaching of the book of life. Now, before we get there, we must note some things about the last day or the end of the world. And really, there's only four things we really need in this text. That's a judge, a jury, a judgment, and a justice. Now, I'm gonna, those four things is going to be woven throughout the Scriptures. We're going to have a judge, and we're going to see a, a jury, but the jury doesn't give a verdict. And we're also going to see a judgment, and at the end, it's going to be justice. So we're going to see it all. First of all, we, we have to see a day of judgment. Notice what he said he saw. A great white throne and him that sat on it. Now, it's a great white throne because it is the final judgment of man. This is the last one. This is the eighth one. There's not any more. It is the final judgment of man. So it is a day of judgment, and it's the great white throne. But not only is it the final judgment of man, but it is the fatal judgment of man. Every person who is judged at this judgment will go to hell. Every person. There's not one person that's at the great white throne in front of Jesus. There may be some behind Jesus that will not go. But all of those in front of Jesus that's being judged, not one of them will go to heaven. He's there to judge those who are lost. It is fatal here that no one judged is saved. And notice, you say, how, how do you, where do you get that? Because if you'll read verse 13 and verse 14, everyone who was raised was cast into the lake of fire. Not a some of them, not few of them, not a thousand of them, not a hundred thousand of them. Every one of them that was raised was cast into the lake of fire. So nobody saved at this judgment. Revelation 20, verse number 6, says that if you're going to be saved, you've got to get saved in the first resurrection. First resurrection. Now, the first resurrection don't happen at one time. 
You say, well, how can it be first? I'll tell you why. Because 1 Corinthians 15 said Jesus Christ was the first fruits of the resurrection. So he's number one. Right? So that's the first fruits of the resurrection. Secondly, we find that in 1 Thessalonians 4, there's going to be another resurrection, and that's the resurrection of the saints of God, the church of the living God, what we call the rapture, where we go up to meet him in the air. And he's going to do that. And then there's going to be another one at the end of the great tribulation. God then also is going to have another resurrection and take them into heaven. And then after the end of the millennium, there's going to be another resurrection. And everyone who didn't follow the devil will be resurrected to go to heaven. You say, what happens then? Eternity. Eternity. That's how it'll stand. So I know at least this world's going to be here another thousand seven years. At least that. Now we may not be here another thirty minutes, but this old world, this old planet that all these globalists and these tree huggers and these greenies that are trying to save the world, God didn't make it to be saved. He made us to be saved. Y'all with me? Listen, if we spend more time trying to get folks saved than trying to keep this planet saved, we'd be in a lot better shape because this planet ain't going to be saved. This planet's going to drift into oblivion. There will be no planet Earth. There will be no atmosphere. There will be no planetarian out there for us. I'll guarantee you one of these days, everything's going to be gone right here. So don't try to save it. You bunch of crazy environmentalists that's listening to me on the radio, I know none of you are because you're all fundamentalists, not, not environmentalists. But all of you who think if you run over a skunk, you've destroyed the world. I'm telling you this world wasn't made forever. God made it for a particular time and he also tells us it's going to come to an end. So I, I didn't mean to get into that, but since I did, I wanted you to see the panorama of events that's going to take place. And you say, well, you, can, you, you can't prove that yet. I don't say anything in this pulpit I can't prove. Challenge me if you want to, but I can take you to the Bible and prove it. I'll not say anything I can't prove in this Bible. So you can go to 2 Peter chapter 3, and God makes exactly clear there that he is going to totally, completely destroy planet earth. How many believe that? Look, 2 Peter 3, 7, but the heavens, I mean, all that stuff out yonder, all those things we can't see. And by the way, they say now there's three times more than what we can't see than what we can see out there. Amazing that. Look, the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved. In other words, it'd be judged now if it wasn't reserved. It's reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. When's, when's it going to be judged? When's it going to burn? The day of the judgment of ungodly men. When's that? Great white throne. That's the only day it is because that's the only day he does it. 
And if you read 2 Peter on, you'll find in verse number 10 that he mentions it again. In verse number 12 and 13, he says that everything is going to be dissolved and shall melt with fervent heat. God's going to split the atoms. That's what the word elements means. It means atoms. God knew how to split the atom before we ever figured it out. And before that little tinker tall boy in, in, in North Korea ever figured it out. And before we sold all our secrets to everybody in the world, God knew how to spit the atom. So I'm telling you today, he'll do it when we do. There'll be nowhere for you to go, no ball game to go to, uh-uh. no movies to go to, no mall to shop, no Black Friday, Green Friday, Red Friday, Blue Friday, no Cyber Friday. There'll be nothing. You can't go to an entertainment event. You can't go to grandma's house. You can't make any other excuses. You're going to stand before God. Nowhere else to go. You just hung out there before God. Somewhere in space for God to judge you. Now, so that's the day of just judgment. Secondly, there's the day of the judge. Look at verse Look at verse number 11. You know, we'll have to excuse me. I lost my glasses. And so I found an old pair that's just, good enough that I could kind of read out of today. So if I say a word wrong, um, just un- understand how grace, okay? Look at verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne and him and him and him. That sat on it. Uh, that, so, so we got a day of judgment, but we also have a day of the judge. Now you say, who is the judge? The Bible's very clear that the judge is the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, can you prove that in the Bible? Of course I can. John chapter 5, verse 22 through 24, the Bible said that Jesus said that the Father had given all judgment unto the Son. So Jesus Christ is sitting on this great white throne. Are y'all with me? And so, listen, most of the time, a throne is wonderful. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, when we can come before the throne of grace, that's a wonderful thing. I love the throne of grace, don't you? We can fall and come before the throne of grace. That is a marvelous and that is a wonderful throne because it's a place of sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 12, we read about the throne of God was a place of exaltation of the Savior. That was a wonderful one. Matthew 25, 31, we read about the throne of glory. That was a place of glorification. And then for the sovereign Lord. But now in Revelation 20, verse 11, we we read about a throne of gloom and it is a place of condemnation. Now I'm glad there's a throne of grace but there's also a throne of gloom. And so it's the day of the judge. Men may have mocked him on Calvary. They may have cursed him in their crisis. They may have spurned him in their conviction like some have in church. They may have disrespected him in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'll tell you on that day, you're going to honor him in court. On that day, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'd rather say it now 
And Noah wasn't staying there, but I could go to the throne of grace as to wait till I get to the throne of gloom, and it means nothing for me there except exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's the day of the judge. Y'all still, y'all still here? I don't make sure you haven't left me now. And I want you to notice what the Bible says. The face, the earth, fled from his face. Now, if you look in chapter 21, verse number 1, it says, I saw a new heaven and new earth for the first and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. So where did the earth go? Where did this earth we live on now go? At the great white throne glory, at the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, it exploded into oblivion and ceased to exist no more. Passed away right there. This earth was gone. This earth was gone. So, now, things starts to change. We have a day of justice. In verse number 12, we see the dead, small and great. Doesn't matter who you are. And you stand before God. And the books are open. Another book is open. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And in verse 15, and whosoever is not found written in the book, not the books, but whoso was not found written in the book was cast into the lake of fire. Now, this judgment that we're talking about here is not to determine whether you'll be saved. You know, where, you know, you know when you're going to determine when you're going to be saved? Today. You'll either decide today or you decide before it's too late. I hope you decide before it's too late. That's our prayer. That's our heart. Where's today or tomorrow? Maybe God will give you another today. Maybe God will give you another tomorrow. I don't know. But all he's promised us today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. I can't even promise you that you can get saved in the next 30 minutes when we give an invitation. But I can promise you now he'll save you. Now he'll save you. And so there's a day of justice coming. You see, you say, well, I think I've been a pretty good guy. And I, I, I hear that so much. Well, if that was the case, then you would have to, you'd get to brag before Jesus and say, God, you got to let me in because I've been a good boy. But God said it's by grace and nobody gets to brag about it. You read Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 and see what Jesus said about it. He said, you're not going to boast about your good works to get in heaven. Just because you baked a pie and took taint Saturday last week, that don't mean you're going to heaven. No, sir. Deeds will never determine. Write this line down because God gave me this line a long time ago. I don't know why I read it somewhere or whether I just dreamed it up one day. God just placed it on my heart. But I want you to, I want you to write this down. Deeds never determine destiny, but destiny always determines deeds. Remember that. Because you see, many think that they're going to have their day in court and they're going to get to speak up and say what they've got to say. But the Bible says, for all have come short of the glory of God. And then it also says this, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Listen, you just can't tip the scale your way. Just not going to happen. So the Bible says, understand, get this. The books 
No, ain't listening. I'm going to have to come down here. Can't see you anyway, so it don't make no difference. The books never changes one thing about the book. The book stays the same. The books has nothing to do with changing the book. So when we sing that song, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. No, that, that ain't right. I know what you mean by it, and I don't think we're, we're, we're heretics because we sing it. I know why we sing it, because we're happy we're saved, but that's not biblical. What's really not? God's sitting up there and saying, oh, whoop, whoop. hey, hey, another God saved. Write him down. You think God's like that? No, not at all. So, God keeps a pretty good set of books. And so, he keeps those books and he opens it. And this great white throne is an amazing place because how can you escape if you, if you, uh, uh, if you neglect so great a salvation? So, you have a great white throne. You have a great salvation that you've neglected. So, you're in a heap of mess when you're standing before the great white throne. So many's going to found that you're in the books. Yeah, hey, hey Lord, my name, it, it, it's, my, it's my name. It's my name, Glenda, that's my name. It's my name. I got you. Got you in the books. I say that, that's not what I'm worried about. I know I'm in the books. You better make sure, though, you're still in the book. That's what this teaching. I'm going to give you four things. Write them down. You're going to understand this text. I wish I could have put more preaching in verse number 11 because there's, there's a whole sermon right there. But here's the purpose. And I'm glad it's coming on a day when we dedicated that precious little baby of Jared. Christians today. You see, the book of life that's mentioned here is a book of eternal destination. You read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and I have. I've studied it extensively. I only know of one other person who believes it, one other preacher I've ever met that believes like I believe about this. All the rest of them are wrong. <laughs> well, I haven't talked to everybody about it, but I know one particularly one about it because we did sit down and talk about it. I know another who is similar to what I believe, but, but he, he wrote me a, uh, he gave me one of his documentaries on it, so I read it. And he was right on most things, but wrong on a few things. And so I want you to notice some things that will help you understand the book of life. First of all, write this down. You are recorded in this book. In other words, when you got born, you were already in the book. Bronx, that we dedicated today, long before he ever come out of the mother's womb, his name was written in the book. And you say, well, why in the world would God do that? Why would God leave somebody that little? We don't know what he's going to do. I'll tell you why. Because God's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. God wants everybody to be saved. For God shall love the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
That's why he did it. You see, every person that's ever been born, Jesus wanted to be saved. So he wrote their name down in the book. You say, where's that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. I knew he was. Psalm 69, 28 says, Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Notice what that says. Not be written with the righteous. So here's some wicked people who have crossed over God's line. So God said, take them out of the book. But before that, they were written with the righteous. What it says. You say, I'm glad that God does that because... That's why one Psalm 139 is so precious to me by our little children here. That means that when our children are born here, some of you mamas and daddies, about 38, 39, you may call it an accident. But God says they're here on purpose. There's no accidents with God. That meant that that baby that came into this world, no matter whatever you did to try to prevent it, and no matter if it shocked the daylights out of you when it come, that little baby that come to this world, there's one thing I know that came into this world with his name written in the book and the desire for him to be saved, and God loved him with all of his heart. I know that. And so God, in fact, he even records the baby's structure in the womb from birth until now. Not only that, God has our accurate medical report. I have, I, 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 my family said, don't you ever tell anybody else you're sick. We're tired of hearing it. God already knows it. I ain't going to tell them no more. I ain't tell them nothing. Nothing. I ain't tell them nothing. They give me fifth of Jack Daniels for medicine. I ain't telling them. Just keep it quiet. Me and brother, drink, me and brother Steve will drink it together. Amen. I'm lying. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Y'all know better than that. But. God knows the very hairs on your head are the very hairs that's not on your head. He, he knows them. You read Psalm 139. God knows everything about you. He even knows your insanity report. He knows what your IQ is. He knows where you're smart or not so smart. He knows where you're smart ethic or not. He too. He knows both things. You see, folks, one out of four, I'm told, in America has mental problems. Right? Look around. If the three next to you look all right, you're the one. <laughs> That's you. But you're recording the book. Why? Because God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. 1 Timothy 2.4, write this verse down. Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Write this down. 1 Timothy 4.10. Who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. When Jesus died on Calvary, he died for lost people. That's what the Bible says. So when you were born in this world, you were born in the book. You say, well, what if I never do get saved? John 1, 9 tells you one thing's going to happen in your life. Let me tell you something. There's one thing going to happen in your life. Every person who is born into this world is going to get enough light to be saved. 
John chapter 1 verse number 9 says that Jesus was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So don't you ever tell me you didn't have a chance. God lights everybody enough to be saved. But there's something else I want you to notice. Not only that, you, but secondly, there can be a removing from the book. There can be, you can be recorded in the book, but you also can be removed from the book. You can be birthed into the book, or you can be blotted from the book. Y'all getting this? All right, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 18 through 20. And I'm not going to go there, but here's what it's about. It's about a father that's got a son that's a rebel, don't want to do the will of the father, don't want to do the will of God. And he says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go do what I want to do. I'll live my life like I want to live my life. And the Bible said God blots him out of his book. Read it. Exodus chapter 32. When Moses comes down off the mount, verse 32 and 33, those 3,000 who wouldn't come to the Lord's side was killed. And you know what happened to them? They were blotted out. How do I know that? Because Moses gets on his knees and said, God, please don't blot them out. God, please don't blot them out. Give them another chance. In fact, he said, I'll even die and go to hell for them. Don't blot them out. But God blotted them out. In Revelation twenty-two nineteen, he makes another statement that's pretty clear about it too. He said, if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So in other words, if you don't believe the Bible, God said, I'll blot you out of my book. See, when one willfully and totally rejects Christ as their Lord and Savior, and refuses the gospel message and refuses to repent and turn to God, they, the second they die, they're blotted out. The second they die, they're blotted out. We've preached more people into heaven that went to hell probably than we'll ever know till we get to heaven. Or when the last opportunity that God gives you to get saved, and I don't know when that is, only God knows that, when your last opportunity comes and you say no, God blots you out. There's a third reason. There's a third time he blots you out. Revelation 13, 8 says that even though you are living on this earth and you are alive, but you have made up your mind that you're not taking the salvation of Jesus because it'll probably cost you your head in the tribulation period. You take the mark of the beast and the Bible says God blots them out. Revelation 13, 8. So people can still be living and be given up by God. Romans chapter 1 says God gave them up. Folks, listen, when God gives up on somebody, you know he's done a lot of work on them. Y'all with me? All right, here's the third thing I want you to write down. There can also be a reserving in the book. You can be bound in the book. Now, that's what I want you to hope you just, just shout just a little bit anyway. At least just get a little tweak, amen, boop, just a little bit. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 5, tells us an amazing thing about an overcomer. He says, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. What does that mean? 
the righteousness of God, a righteousness of the saints is white raiment, right? We know that. And look, and I will not, right under not, make a big line under not. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I'll confess his name before my father and before his angels. So listen, I, I overcome one day. And when I overcome one day, Jesus said, man, he hadn't mounted much. He's messed up a whole lot. He hadn't done what I wanted to do all the time, but he's mine and I'll never blot him out of my book. That's what he said. That's what he said. And he said, well, overcomer means that you just got to live a certain way. I'm glad you brought that up because I want to show you something now. Y'all just keep bringing up these questions. 1 John 5, look at verse 4. Anyway, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is even overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And so the day that I have repented of my sin and said, God, I won't go the way I'm going now. I want to go the way of the cross. And I asked Christ to come into my heart and he washed me with his blood, changed me with his power, put me, by, put me into heaven and my name was sealed in blood. Can't get that boy's name out. Can't get it out. You say, well, how can I have that same way? Don't change for you any different from me. We all get saved the same way. We get born again. That binds our name. That seals it in blood in the book of life. Can't be blotted out. Oh, saved people. You, I know there's some people that says, well, I'll tell you what. I know some people that says they're saved and they don't live. They sure don't live right. What about them? Glad you asked that question. Because Revelation 21, 27 tells us this. And there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever work of the abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, the folks who's really been saved, their life has really been changed. Mm. I'm about to give out. Are you all ready? Now, I want you to write these verses down. I'm not even going to read them. I want you to write them down, take them home, go to bed tonight with them ringing in your heart. First Peter chapter 1 Verses 3 through 5 says that you do not have to fear dying. You do not have to fear judgment because you have in heaven a place already reserved for you. Woo! I've been flying a lot more here lately than I like to. And I used to didn't mind it so bad, but now it's crazy and you know how they stripped me down to everything with my BVDs and wand me all over, you know. And now I get through all that mess and the time I get everything back on and, you know, you're just kind of all messed up, don't know where nothing is, forgot everything. And uh, just thank, thank God there's some good people in the world that say, brother, you dropped this, hey, you dropped that. And I just left a trail like birds, like me. Right, right. And so I get on the plane and I thought, man, I got a pretty good seat here. And I sat down. And then this, this big guy comes in. He was about that wide. I'm talking about that wide. And I said, God, please don't let him sit here. <laughs> There's another guy on the other side. 
And me and that guy on the other side, we stayed pinned in. I looked up out of his, under his armpit like this. And I looked just like here the whole time. And the other old boy, he was trying to get out the window. It was so tight on the other side. But listen, when you get on a plane today, brother, you better have a reservation. Because you're not getting on if you don't have a reservation. Now, I'll tell you, I'd be willing to fly like that to heaven. I ain't willing to fly like that no more down here. I'm going to get up and say I'm handicapped mentally, and I, y'all don't know what I might do? Y'all better put me up front. <laughs> what I'm going to do? Now, here's the last thing. Get me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Now, I want you to know the fourth thing is there can be a rejoicing over the book. You can be blessed by the book. You remember those two women in Philippians chapter 4 got to fighting in the church? Man, when you get a cat battle going in the church, you got a problem. When you went, you know, and women get after each other. It's usually they're jealous over somebody's power or somebody's position or somebody's taking or somebody's teaching, somebody's something. And so they get all jealous about something. And so they got to fighting in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 3. He, he, Paul was talking about them. He said, now you go help them. They get them things right and get the same mind of the Lord because they have been a great labor for me. And then he says in verse 3, their names are in the book of life. Do you know you can have a fuss at church and still be saved? Now you ought not to have a fuss at church. And we ain't going to put up with too many of them. But the truth of the matter is, you can have a fuss and still be saved. Hey, mama, hey, sweetheart, can I tell you, you can have a little fuss with your wife, you can have a little fuss with your husband, and still be saved. You don't lose your salvation because you slammed the door and broke the glass. No, no. He said they've been good laborers. They just need to get some things settled because their name's sealed in the book. But here's the last, Romans 12, 12 says, Paul wrote this, rejoicing in hope. What is hope? The Bible says in us when we get saved is our blessed hope. So, folks, you know what we can rejoice in today? That we have hope. What is our hope? That we're bound in the book. Never could be blotted out. There's one more verse. I'm done. Luke chapter 10, verse 20. When the, I used this verse a few weeks ago. But you remember when the disciples came all back and they was all excited about all that they'd done for God. God said, don't get all excited about all that stuff. He said, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Your names are written in heaven. You say, well, Brother Glenn, you've been through a lot of trouble. We got to do but my name's in the book. I know some of you, you've been through a lot of trouble, but your name's in the book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of you are saying, God, do you answer prayer? And you may not see anything happen, but you know this, your name's in the book. I don't care what's happening in your life today. There's one thing you can bless and jump up and down and thank God for. Your name is in the book. That's what he said. But I wonder today, 
I know I've taught you this before. Some of our newer folks may not know this. I had some other things I'd like to say. I, could, I didn't have time today, but what if today God just, and I did, I had a special talk. I had a special talk with the Lord today. I didn't ask him to do this, but what if he did? What if he were to open those doors back there and he were to send Michael the archangel down? And he has the book of life. And he lays it right here. Just lays it right here. And then he turns and he walks away. He says, preacher, I'll be back in an hour or so and get that book. Would you have to walk down here and look? Or can you turn around and go to Cracker Barrel happy? I tell you, I'd never look. I'm not looking. I got his word on it. And if you're not saved today, you better get it settled. Because just, just because you got baptized or just because you joined the church or just because you don't do as bad as somebody else, that's not enough. You've got to be born again, the Bible said, by believing that what Christ did on the cross was enough to save you from your sins and believing that he rose again the third day and he lives in you and because he lives, you live and you will never die because your name is in the book. He won't write it there. It's already there. But he might blot it out if you walk out here today. He might erase it today. He said, I've put up with them, and 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 I've sought after them, and I've convicted them, and I've loved them, and I've given them grace. And today's the last day. If they don't do something today, now, it's the day of salvation. I promised them that. Someone give them that. They don't do something today. I'll blot their name out of the book.